Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hello there, and welcome back to yet another episode of Control Alt Azure, where we talk all things about Azure. I'm here again with Yusi Roine. What's up? Yet another. This is episode 23, and I think we started in, in October 2019, yep. and, and it's, it's almost April 2020 now, so, so doing this once per week, uh, it, it feels time is really flying. Yeah. Uh, all good here. So with the, with the global situation that I think a lot of our, ex, uh, a lot of our listeners are experiencing as well, I've spent a lot more time home lately than I was anticipating to spend. And as one outcome, this sort of positive outcome from all of this has been that I'm now building my home gym. So I still get to go to my, my local gym, but there's this sort of hint that perhaps they won't be open next week or the week after that. Yep. It depends both on the government and, and the public perception on the situation and the realities, of course. So, so we started kind of planning with, with my wife that perhaps we, we build our own, own home gym, kind of get a bit of this and that so we can exercise at home. And, and we've got a fairly spacious balcony. And I'm sure for, for a lot of the, the US listeners, if I say 50 square meters, it doesn't really tell anything. But I think it's like 2,000 feet. Or, or whatever the, the measurement is going to be. <laughs> yep. Anyway, it's spacious, and we don't really use it for anything. And, and it gets the morning sun, it gets the afternoon sun as well. So it's always warm, except in the wintertime, which is nine months out of the year. So uh, on these next few months, we can use the balcony a bit more. So we are now building the gym there. And I'm in the process of purchasing, uh, and I believe it's called a games box. So this has nothing to do with an Xbox. It's a wooden box, and you apparently use that to hop on top of the box and hop off. And, and people tell me it's a great exercise. I'm not too convinced yet. So I'm, I'm getting the games box first. Then I need to get a trainer for my bike. So I've got the bike in my, in my storage. It's been there for two years waiting for me to get the trainer. Well, and now finally, finally, now I'm getting it. And before we realize, I think we can open a commercial gym at home at the rate of, of things are going and how much stuff we actually need to exercise at home. Yeah. So that's what, what we've been up to. How about for you? I mean, now I'm curious about the hot box uh, or the wooden box because it, I, I know exactly what it is. And it, I, I tried to do some CrossFit uh, training a while back. And it, this was also an insanely popular thing to, to take some weights and then jump and stand on top of the box and jump back down. And this was a huge hit for everyone. And I'm like, yeah, this is, that was fun. <laughs> and, and they went like 150 or $200 to buy a wooden box. I'm like, yep, okay, gotcha. Yeah, the, the, the box with, with this prominent logo of, of, of a well-known brand, it goes for 150 euros. Well, that's, about you that's about $180. And, and I think if I built one myself, it would cost me about 20 euros. Yeah. But since I don't have all the tools, I don't want to build my, one, one myself. And, so and it wouldn't getting... come with the awesome logo either. Yes, so. that too. Although I could, put, I could put the Control-Alt-Azure logo in there. It would be even more expensive. Go. Maybe we should have these as giveaways to our listeners. You get a wooden box with the logo uh, if you pay for shipping, obviously. 
What a great idea. You should work in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring them to a conference. <laughs> I'll yeah. put them in my bag. <laughs> yeah, we have 10 boxes, but we need 10 cars to, to move yeah. them to the conference. So what I've been up to, um, I mean, I've, I've talked a lot of the episodes about me being outdoors and I really embrace when I'm not working to, to stay healthy, work out, stay outdoors, do things. Uh, right now I'm building a type of furniture for my outdoor plants and I am growing herbs, spices, and some lavender for good taste. And uh, I'm building this self-watering vertical, vertical type of design, which is kind of inspired by the farm bot, uh, which is like an IoT kind of device that can water and plant your seeds and stuff like this. But I'm doing a vertical edition and without the actual robot. Um, but I do have an IoT. I have a Raspberry Pi. I'm connecting to it to check how moist it is. And when it is not moist enough, it starts the uh, watering hose. So it drips down through these. There will be 64 buckets um, where I'll put plants in and they, it will drip down water for about an hour. So it comes down to all of them and then it will stop. And then the next day it does measurements again. So obviously combining my great interest for, for cloud IoT, but also then with my interest for gardening and staying outdoors and, and building stuff, I really have no idea how to actually build. So if the situation globally remains like it is now, or if it even becomes worse, we can perhaps transform this podcast to this CrossFit slash uh, farming uh, food gardening podcast, because we seem to have a lot, lot, lot to say about these two topics. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I'm talking about, it feels like. So either I need to expand my horizons a bit, or, or I just need to share more of what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. So... Today's actual topic is the basics of Azure CDN and also how to protect it. So a CDN or content delivery network, what it is, why do I need one and why should I care? So that's a great question. And another question I also get is, is around how do I optimize my web app or uh, accessing this custom application is slow or my IoT devices is uh, underperforming or you know things like this when you need to look into optimizations or performance a lot of the time CDN can come in to the same discussion so a, a CDN or a content delivery network helps you and, and the one on Azure it helps you to kind of prioritize the speed for the, the best experience of your applications um, and it means that it can do caching of specific resources and if you're a developer you know, things like jQuery and different Angular and whatever front-end frameworks you're using, you can either embed that directly into your app or you can pull them from a CDN, which is already distributed across the globe from different endpoints. So whenever you visit the web app, it's going to pull down the file from the most, um, from the closest region to where you're uh, visiting the web app from. So it's a way to kind of optimize traffic. Um, and I guess that's the, the simple way to say it. And then there's you know, a gazillion of different features we can um, add on top of that to, to optimize things. Um, but, but to me and to my experience coming from the dev background, I've used CDNs to optimize traffic and really utilize the global network of distributed data centers that exist from different uh, CDN providers. And in the past I've used, if I've done some jQuery development, I might've used their CDN or I have used a custom CDN provider that I uh, can add on top of my solutions. And one of those is what we're talking about today, which is the Azure Content Delivery Network or Azure CDN. So Azure CDN is just another type of CDN you can use. 
but this is what Microsoft is using for, uh, for a lot of their services. And I'm using it in production for some of my services and it can speed up things and, and kind of cache the, the static resources that my applications are depending on. So, so in a way, you could say that CDN, content delivery network, you, you could also say it, it would stand for caching delivery network in the sense, so it provides you caching. And if I take a simple example, let's say my blog, I'm running that on WordPress. And often when I add images in my blog articles, I don't bother in, in optimizing those images. I, I just still, I mean, get the images from... Uh, whatever stock image service I'm using at the time. And then I upload those images to my, my CMS, my content management system, which is WordPress. That's, that's located in Finland now. And if I'm anticipating a lot of traffic, let's say from the US or from Australia, I could then further optimize that experience for my readers by using an Azure CDN to cache or, or host a local copy of those static assets, static files, typically images and scripts and, and what have you, closer to the reader so they don't have to go and fetch those images all the way up here from Finland, right? Yeah. So, so the way I usually try to imagine or describe it is you have a user. Um, so we have Jane Doe coming to visit my website. And Jane Doe makes a request and instead of my actual website, which might be in the US and the user might be in Europe, instead of pulling all those resources from the actual original server, which is then in, in a completely, you know, the, the opposite end of the world, is pulling this from, from the point of presence or the edge servers. So across the globe, there is these uh, servers deployed that can host the CDNs. And so this user, Jane Doe, she makes a request and she gets the files served directly from the edge servers or the, the point of presence or pop uh, instead of directly from my website, which also saves bandwidth and uh, saves cost in, in serving this traffic because it's then served you know, from this area. And this goes if you have 10,000 users or 100,000 users, then you can really see an impact. If you're building an app and you put this in the Android or Apple app stores, then you can use a CDN to kind of save cost of actually hosting that thing because otherwise every single request would go back to your actual server and uh, you know try to get the data and then get the results back. Whereas all these resources now pulled from the edge from the uh, different data centers around here. So this is how I try to visualize it. Obviously we're, we don't have a picture so I can show you. Otherwise I would paint a user and then I would paint the website and in between there would be you know, a bunch of different servers distributed around the globe and it will pull the, the data from there instead of going all the way to the other side of the world. We, we have a saying in Finland that every consultant worth their money or, or their billing rate needs to be capable of, of drawing a triangle on a whiteboard. That, <laughs> that kind of yeah. tells, tells that this person really knows what they're talking about. So perhaps at some point we need to add video on this so we can do those triangles at the same time. Yeah, yeah I think uh, that, that sounds important. Yes. Uh, so, so one of the projects I was working on perhaps about two years ago, uh, I had a customer and they were distributing their custom software to their clients. And those clients would be in, in dozens of different countries globally. And their internal distribution website was based on SharePoint and that was an internal one. So it was not in Office 365. It was not in the cloud. 
it was physically in Finland, and they would have a customer coming from Mexico and complain that it, it takes ages to download and update to the software they already had a license for. And those software packages were like two, three, four gigs each, and they would produce one each week with the updates. So one of the things that we did, we built a custom event handler for that SharePoint document library. And whenever we, we would see that a new binary file was added to the document library in the on-premise SharePoint, we would replicate that to Azure, and then we would uh, replace the link in the SharePoint site that when the user comes and tries to download, that link actually pointed to an Azure CDN endpoint. Right. And that, that, that was a fairly simple and beautiful solution to leverage Azure without really telling we are all in the cloud. We were just offloading binaries to Azure CDN and getting the benefit from there. Yeah, you're, you're missing the old days, aren't you? Oh yeah, I, I really am missing the, the gray servers. Event handlers and SharePoint. <laughs> yes, and the Hyper-Vs, all that. But it's, it's scary. You spend so much time on, on one set of technologies, then you shift maybe to something else like I did. I shifted from Office 365 and the on-prem and productivity stack of solutions. I shifted to Azure years ago. And I still wake up in the night, not, not maybe screaming, but I still wake up in the night yeah. thinking about certain things that I built back then or how they work today. Yeah. Because that's, that's part of who you are today since you spend so much time on those. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying you wake up and then you just do a face palm. Oh man, how could I do that? And then... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, that too. But uh, but also now seeing the uptake on on Microsoft Teams and a lot of the different productivity tools, I'm I'm really happy that they're doing so well and the need is there now. Because 15 years ago, if if I were to visit a customer and say, yeah, perhaps we should talk about Link or OCS or LCS or whatever it was called in 2007, then they would go like, no, we have email, and yeah. that was the uphill uphill battle that I would die on. And now if, if I visit a customer, they go like, do you have to come to our place? Can't you just use Teams or something else? Yeah. So that's, that's how things evolved in a nice way. Yeah, modernization in the enterprise. And, and this is really a nice thing. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So back to CDN now. Um, so let's talk about the cost a bit, uh, because obviously you leverage a service from Azure and Azure CDN, it's it's based on Azure storage, right? Uh, yeah. So so with the cost, there is no uh, no upfront cost at all. Um, so what you pay for is gigabytes. Yeah. So you, which is so you pay much for so you pay for gigabytes stored in in a storage account, and then obviously, as is typical with Azure, you pay for the outbound traffic, the egress traffic. So and and I I think they the way they described on their website is. It's a pay-as-you-go or pay-for-usage type uh, of service, like many others, and you pay for gigabyte, and this means gigabyte stored and gigabyte transferred. Yeah. So you can very easily estimate the cost of this, and uh, if if you know your traffic, um, and and one way I've done it in the past is I've actually used Cloudflare and their CDN, mm -hmm. and I've then measured because that's free. And you know, with the limited capabilities, and it's easy to implement, and I could just within five minutes get that up and running, just like I can with the Azure CDN. Um, and then I could measure the traffic without actually starting to make any new deployments. I could just measure the traffic coming in 
and how much bandwidth I would save because they have some really nice charts. Um, and this way, I can put this into the actual pricing calculator and understand uh, what the impact would be. And, and for me, this was you know a few dollars. We're not talking enterprise scale costs. We're talking about a couple of dollars. Then, of course, if you have a billion transactions a month, this might change. Uh, but yeah, it's... It's easy. It's integrated into the Astro pricing calculator. So this is my best tip. Go there and put in your numbers for the amount of data you believe you have or that you think you can estimate. Um, and if possible, monitor your solution already now so you understand the ingress and egress traffic and how much data you're actually serving because then it's a lot easier to calculate on uh, yeah, the cost savings you can do with the CDM. So one way of doing this is to look at the historical data. You can go to Azure portal, go to cost management. That obviously shows you your past invoices. And from there, you can easily pick up bandwidth cost. So that would give you a starting point. Let's say your bandwidth from, from uh, within the previous invoice was 10 gigabytes. Obviously, your CDN won't have 10 gigabytes of of storage necessarily because not everything will be in the cdn it's mm. typically binaries static files images stuff like this yeah. uh, and then based on how many users you're expecting for your service for a web app you can obviously use something like google analytics or azure application insights to figure out the, the number of users total or then you get this guesstimate that perhaps we're getting ten thousand users a month doing roughly this so let's estimate, do a bit of guessing, a bit of calculations in Excel, and then come out with a reasonable number we are confident we can live with. And then when we actually deploy CDN, we can see how that projection is going to work in the future as well. Makes sense. Um, and then there's uh, the pricing might change slightly depending on what version of CDN you're using. All right, so when you create a CDN, you will get a question. Do you want to use um, you know, the standard Microsoft, which you get kind of with Azure Front Door Service, this type of, of CDN? Or um, do you want to use Akamai or Verizon or the premium Verizon? 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 I don't know how they pronounce it. Verizon. I, uh, I think it's pronounced Verizon. Oh, well, there it goes. So and none of my options were actually correct. So Verizon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you will get options for what to choose. And this might also impact the pricing, of course, but in the pricing calculator, you can select that. Uh, so with, for example, the uh, premium version and standard version of Verizon, um, you get um, a dynamic side acceleration, but all versions have this. So I think there is actually a comparison cheat and I will put this into the show notes so you can take a look at that. And there you can see exactly when you need to make a decision, what type of CDN do I need? What do I need to optimize? Uh, do I need a dynamic site acceleration with object prefetch or with adaptive image compression? Well, then you have to go to standard ECMI or you have to go to you know whatever supports that. So there is a, a pretty good um, chart from Microsoft in the docs where you can see which edition or which tier of the CDN actually has support for these advanced capabilities that I need for my super cool workload. So we'll okay, put that make, in, into the show notes. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. So perhaps to to touch this topic here is that when I when I meet and, and talk with developers, uh, especially developers 
who are not working primarily on the Microsoft stack, if you will. So they might not use Azure or they might not code in .NET Framework or TypeScript. Uh, they are often leaning for using something like the Reddish cache within their code. So they might be doing Node.js and then they spin up a Redis cache and use Redis as a caching mechanism to, to check if some data they're expecting to get from a custom API is already cached locally. Yep. So, so to kind of differentiate between the Azure CDN and something like a Redis cache, which you can also run on top of Azure now, uh, my understanding, and, and please feel free to correct me, but my understanding is that the CDN is primarily for distributing those files closer to your users. And the Redis cache is primarily for developers to cache content objects they feel should be cached so that they don't need to hit the databases in real time, as an example. Yes, uh, with, with one, I have one injection there, which is that the Redis cache is also a distributed cache. So it works similarly to a CDN. So this is also globally distributed, so you can um, you will get served from the local or the, the geo location closest to you. So you get the same kind of benefit with the edge kind of caching with, depending of course, which distributed caching solution you use. But I, I do this for my solutions and uh, it's exactly what you describe. I would say the CDN is for static resources, you know, images, scripts, and what have you that needs to be uh, served on the request to, to actually make the application work. Whereas, um, my custom caching, which I do with a distributed caching like Redis for Azure or any other type of, uh, you can even use SQL Server as a base for distributed caching and whatever you use. Uh, I do this to cache API calls and the results of those API calls so I can cache my actual data. And exactly like you mentioned, this is to save the round trips of redundant round trips to the server because that will cost you money. Um, and if, if it doesn't make sense for me to like in, in my case, I built a solution a while back that you know produces uh, news. It's an AI kind of news website, and there's millions of articles in there, but they don't, um, in each category, it updates maybe every two or three minutes. That means I don't need to fetch the data live. I can put an expiration on the cache for two minutes, and I know I will always have pretty much the latest data. And if a new article is available and someone requested from the cache, well, the next time they request it, they will get the, the live data. And that means uh, I reduce the, the load time of 150 millisecond for that request down to 20 milliseconds. So there's a, a quite good uh, optimization, both in speed, bandwidth, and cost coming also with a distributed cache. So uh, yeah, just to add on to, to that a bit, um, those are, are what I see the main differences are between the CDN and, and caching. And if I get to choose, I would say I need both. Uh, but it all comes down to the requirements. And of course, if you have only one user, then it maybe doesn't make sense to have any of it. But if you have, you know, if you do get recurring users and a lot of applications using the APIs you have and start pulling data in, then it might be a good idea to, uh, to evaluate whether or not you should actually implement a CDN, but also a distributed caching solution. Yeah, and I often feel that if you want to have a caching mechanism, that's often something you need to weave into your solution during deployment and, and development. As opposed to a CDN, you could tackle that later on. So you can already 
uh, deploy to production, and then later on you can decide, let's go with Azure CDN, and you can add that later as well. And, and there are, like for the developers out there, there are solutions for, where you can just, in, if you have an ASP.NET Core website and whatever, you don't have to go to each line of code and say, hey, cache this like this. You can say in the startup, just enable distributed caching. I will use Redis, here's my connection key, and then it will automatically cache all the web requests for you uh, from the API there. Uh, but then of course you have no control or no granular control exactly how the data flows. Um, but yeah, otherwise with the CDN, you pretty much tick a box and then you say route the traffic from here and you're done. Okay. So now that I've got my Azure CDN endpoint up and running and I've populated that with, with a bunch of static files and assets, do I need to protect that? Um, I, I know that by default you can enable HTTPS, which, which obviously is the bare minimum, but what if uh, I've got a lot of files in there and obviously people are going to find out uh, about those endpoints because they can just snoop the traffic and figure, oh, UC is serving content from this CDN endpoint. Do I need to protect this? And, and one worry perhaps that I might have or somebody listening in on this might have, what if somebody starts downloading uh, one of my larger files uh, endless times and I end up paying for this? Is there something I can do on top of this? Yeah, um, and that's a, actually a great question. I think this is a, an important topic as well. Um, and then, you know, maybe just making a mental note here to myself, um, we might do an episode on saving, um, saving cost or like denial of wallet kind of attacks where someone attacks your resources and it spins out of control and you end up paying, you know, gazillions of dollars for it uh, unexpectedly. So that might be a um, show we can do because there's a lot of insights we have to share on that. Um, but the short answer to the question, do I need to protect it is, of course, everything you have everywhere needs to be protected. And like Microsoft also pushes very hard, you should always adapt and adopt to a zero trust uh, kind of model where you, you already assume breach and, and you assume attack and you, um, you don't trust anything or anyone, right? And this is a good attitude to have also when you set these things up because you should, you should be mentally prepared for an attack. You should think that someone will attack it. And right now there's a preview feature, uh, which is the Azure Web Application Firewall or the WAF. Um, and this already exists for Azure Front Door and Application Gateways. You, the WAF is basically a firewall policy that you can say to Azure Front Door, which is, handling the request and say, handle them according to this model or this policy, the same with the application gateway. Now with Azure CDN, we can also in preview right now, uh, enable Azure WAF or the web application firewall. And this comes with automatic OWASP top 10 protection. Uh, so it handles DDoS attacks and cross-site scripting attacks and all these kind of uh, OWASP top 10 uh, threats. Uh, it kind of allows you to make very swift changes. So if you are under attack right now, you can deploy new uh, WAF policies and this will take effect within minutes. So then you can take swift response and take action to what's happening. Um, so if you do have sensitive workloads and you have big solutions uh, operating uh, across the globe, of course, this is something you should look at. Right now it's not GA or general available. It is still in preview. Um, 
but it, it also integrates with Azure Monitor. You can hear how excited I am, by the way, about anything security right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it integrates with Azure Monitor, and you can log all the retrieved data from either a storage account, an event hub, or log analytics, which we've talked a bit in the past about log analytics. Um, also comes with built-in protection and, and kind of conditional rate limiting to pr protect from uh, denial of services or distributed denial of services attacks. And this, uh, you do this by limiting the number of requests from, from specific client IPs or specific patterns that emerge hammering your website uh, or your service. Uh, so you can also then build custom match rules uh, based on a combo of IP, location, parameters coming into the HTTP request, what request method, if it's a get or post or put or whatever it is, the size of the request. So there's a, a lot of different options you can do to actually fine tune this. So you know that every request coming in needs to abide by these policies. And if they do not, they're out of there. They, they're not even allowed through. So then the, the underlying service you have will only get uh, requests that are passed by the web application firewall. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so Azure VAF, uh, Azure VAF, let's let's call it this. Uh, I think we mentioned this a few times in previous episodes. It always brings back memories from the past when we had ISA server and TMG, the trend mm. management gateway, <laughs> all the all the great stuff you you fiddled during the nights to try to figure out why the firewall wasn't working. Uh, so with Azure VAF, uh, if I understand correctly, with the CDN support now in preview, if I have an existing web application firewall, I should be able to create a policy in there and point that policy to my Azure CDN and say, please web application firewall protect my Azure CDN endpoint here. Yeah, so I think it works the, the way that if you define, for example, a, a global WAF policy and you then create your uh, WAF for CDN, uh, you can just point it in, in the association tab, you can just point it to uh, add CDN endpoint. So if you have your, uh, pretty much the flow is like this. Go to the Azure portal if you do it from, from the UI, which I think is easiest to, to get started to see how things are connected. Uh, go to the Azure portal, create a web application firewall, create a policy, and then it's gonna ask you what you want to create the policy for. And here you can say Azure CDN. So then you create this web policy for a CDN. And then there's a, a tab in the UI saying, what do you want to associate it with? And there you just say, add CDN endpoint. Here's my CDN over here. And you point to it and that's it. It's now connected. So whenever the CDN gets hit, it's gonna run through the WAF policy and ensure that it's okay uh, to allow the request through. So getting started, pretty simple. Sounds, sounds super simple. And, and WAF is definitely something you need to use whenever you publish something that, that the wider audience anybody in practice can use. And now with the preview, we can secure the Azure CDN endpoint as well, so that we don't have to build these custom rules. Because one of the things with WAF I often find problematic is that it's really hard to modify the policies through a script. And I'm mm -hmm. not talking about ARM templates, I'm talking about Azure CLI or PowerShell. And that seems to be quite poorly documented at the time. So in my tests, I often end up just reprovisioning the WAF if I need to fix something and it's not really working. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot of thoughts on, on Azure CDN. So as, as a sort of super quick recap, with Azure CDN, we can store 
static files and uh, scripts, images, and what have you in Azure Storage, and then expose those at, as CDN endpoints so that they're closer to your users. And when I say static, of course, those files can be updated later on. So if it's a script that you frequently generate, then you would update that script in the storage as well so that users would, would receive that new version when they visit your services. And it doesn't have to be just websites. It can be uh, an API, a download site, anything that you use to distribute your content for your users. Yep. Alrighty, I think we covered all the essentials in, in getting started with, with Azure CDN. Uh, and the final bit, word of the day, let's start with Swedish again. What are we learning? So in, in Swedish, I have something that I said the other day and then I reflected about it and, and thought about how this would be in English. And uh, we have a saying in Sweden, when you're gonna take a look at something uh, or, or keep an eye on something, um, a Swede hits an eye on something. So I will take a look at or, or I will keep an eye on that. Then you hit your eye on it or you hit one of your eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, one of the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so let me let me try. Uh, slow et ögapo. Yeah. The the öga, uh that's a slang word in Finnish as well. On on, let me have a look at it. We we simply say öga. I mean, it's some things are so much more simple in Finnish. Some things are not. Uh, but this one, yeah, öga. It's yeah. it's a lot easier. Hey, can you can you, öga? Just take a look at it, man. It's... Exactly, and and it specifically means that that you really have a like a deeper look at it, not not just somebody showing you something, but more like I have a problem with this. Can you can you take a peek at this? Mm. Cool. So finish. Uh, I I picked something. It's a sport, not a national sport, but I hope it will become one. I haven't tried this yet, but this coming summer, I'm so putting my kids to compete against me on this. So the Finnish word is sankohiipiminen. Sankohiipiminen. Yes, and it's two words. Sanko means a bucket, specifically a water bucket. Uh, and hiipiminen is to sneak. So, so the sport is, is one where you carry two water buckets. So they, they are the big ones filled with water. And you need to sneak against the clock through a predefined track, typically outdoors, and they will have obstacles. So you need to kind of be quick and agile and sneakily enough to get through the track, but not spill too much of the water. And the one with the fastest time and least water spilled will win. Yeah. I mean, so we have this when we have our midsummer celebrations, we always have some fun and games and so, so we have these kind of things as well. We don't have a word for it though. So I'm, I'm impressed here that you've managed to, to kind of get this into your encyclopedia as a word. And sanku hihipiminen. Yes. Good. And, and I, I think I've seen a video on YouTube on, on, uh, from 2018 or 2019 when they first had this. So I'll make sure to link that in the show notes <laughs> if, if anybody wants to kind of see the, the world-class uh, implementation on, on how to do this. All right. Sounds good. Excellent. So thank you for listening and until next time. See you then.
Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned. <laughs>